to get lost in the stories that we have in our own head. We're these main characters in movies that are continually running. And because of that, it becomes really difficult to hear what other people are actually saying. And as someone who tells stories publicly like this, it becomes even more difficult because I'm running stories continually in my head But if I don't remind myself to stop and listen, I miss a lot of the important things. And one of those things that I've missed for a really long time is a question. A question that gets asked to me over and over again that never really registered. And that is, as a person who does three podcasts and all the other things that I do, how do I find the time? So that's what this is going to be about. Finding the answer to that question. Because I imagine that there are a lot of you out there who have aspirations and things that you want to do, but you can't imagine having the time, finding the time, creating the time to do it. So let's find out. How do we find the time? And to start it off, I wanted to talk to an old friend of ours. Wow, that's cool. I had no idea you could do this directly through the app. My old co-host, Lam Wen. Rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. The first thing that I thought was really important for us to cover before we went any further with Lam is the question that we haven't really addressed since you stopped hearing his voice on this show. And that's, where did he go? I had to make some tough choices about my life and... uh dive into a brand new job um, and it's in a brand new industry so it's essentially taking up um, 50 to 60 hours a week of my life and I didn't feel like I could contribute uh, enough to the podcast um, and I didn't want you to to feel like I was holding you back so um, that's basically where I stand with it. And there it is again that word time. This is what I mean by not listening. It's been right there in front of me. How is time affecting the people around me? How is time affecting Lamb? Um, It's weird because it's forced me to be creative in very different ways. Um, So I finally, you know, because of the new job, I have a lot more money at my disposal now. So I got my piano. um, I was able to tune it and get it weighted and properly fitted and all that kind of stuff. So strangely, in a weird kind of way, I'm now doing more creative stuff than I was before. It's just at odd hours of the night. So I'm playing piano at like two in the morning and things like that. So what can we learn from Lamb? How is he managing to find this creative pocket of time in what he described as a very busy work life. In the best possible way, um, you need to find a way to relieve pressure from your mind. Um, And I think, you know, despite the fact that I have far less time, um, I feel like I have a lot less pressure, a lot less stress. And so because of that, with the time I do have, I create a heck of a lot more 
and stuff that I'm much happier with. Um, I've been doing a lot more music stuff lately, and I hadn't touched a piano for over three years. So um, a lot of that is not time. It's, it's, it's much more a state of mind. And I feel like finding the proper state of mind will allow you to make use of that time in a far better way than you would have if you were stressed. Being stressed and having six hours is useless versus being happy and having 25 minutes. And who else might have answers to this question? Who else might have strategies that we don't know yet? Find people who have somehow, who, who you know who are artists who have taken on quote-unquote day jobs and what they're doing to still incorporate art into their life. It's a rare thing when I do these episodes for the interviews to be conducted in the same chronological manner in which you are hearing them. But in the case with this episode, Lamb was the first person that I talked to. And that conversation between him and I took place over a month ago. And since the time that we talked about that, I've been stewing over that question of who to talk to next. Who has these answers? Who knows about managing time? And at the same time that I was stewing over this question, I had an idea for an episode that was brewing in another part of my brain. And part of that process was asking a friend of the show, Roxanne Blackwood, to interview her friend, young adult author, Debbie Dodds. And in the process of that interview, they hit upon the same question of time. So I want to share a little bit of that interview with you right now. So you mentioned your book took roughly about four years to write. How did you fight for creative time in your busy life to make room for that novel? That's a great question. Um, I have great respect and admiration for authors who have a set writing time, who they write from 7 to 9 a.m. every day, or they write from noon to 4, and they don't let anything ever disturb that time period. Oh, I think that's great. And I remember a writer one time saying to me, you have to make the space for the muse to find you. So if you're always at your writing desk at the same time every day, your muse will know where to find you. And that just sounds lovely to me. Unfortunately, I don't do that at all. I do not have a set writing time. I do not write every day. I'm almost, I feel embarrassed to admit that, you know, not following these great pieces of advice people gave me, but my life doesn't work like that because I am a mom and because I do have a business and, you know, I have other obligations and I'm on boards and I volunteer and I do different things. Um, it's very, very hard for me to protect my writing time. Um, I tend to write on Fridays. That's the day that I don't tutor. And I try as best as I can to write as much as I can on Fridays. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes I have to have a doctor's appointment or, you know, I have some other thing that comes up that I have to deal with on a Friday. I also tend to write in the evenings after um, everyone's gone to bed. So that's a good writing time for me. And I feel very creative and very inspired. I'm definitely a night person and not a morning person. But I've been known to write 
at noon. I've been known to write in the morning, you know, and get up early before my daughter goes up. That's not very often, but it has happened. So I definitely don't have a routine. And sometimes I wish I did. And sometimes I think, well, what works for you works for you and just do it and stop judging yourself and stop putting restrictions or feeling guilt because that's just going to waste more of your time if Definitely. you're feeling guilt about not writing instead of writing. And it sounds like you write all, all the time. It's just sporadic and where you squeeze it in and then, you know, yeah. things kind of build and then it's to a point where you just can't ignore it anymore. And then it takes priority over everything else. You have blips of like major focus mm -hmm. and making it the priority. Right. And I would say this fall, in the summer and fall, I didn't write nearly as much because some of my time that I had built into my schedule to write, I was doing book promotion things. I was doing podcasts and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, library appearances. And, and I was writing letters to people about, you know, carrying my book in the bookstore or something like that, or communicating with the publisher's publicist. And so that ate into a lot of my writing time. Um, another thing that's quirky and weird about me is I write everything longhand. And so the benefit of that is when I am sitting waiting for my daughter in a car, I can write. You downplayed your, your creative routine a little bit, but it sounds like one of your tactics is to always have a pencil and paper with you. Always, always. And even if I'm taking notes on something I'm seeing, I'm in a coffee house, I'm watching an interesting interaction that has nothing to do with my book. I'll write it down because I think, well, I'll come back to it sometime and I'll do something with it. Um, but yeah, I write scenes for my book. I write memories that I'm having. Um, I write down all the time. I'm yanking my little book out of my purse and scribbling things. I'm sure people think I'm making grocery lists or something like that, but I'm writing down ideas for future books or for the book I'm writing. And it was that conversation combined with the conversation with Lamb that really brought this whole episode to a head, that they combined and they became one thing. And I realized this was an episode about time, and I knew who had the answers. Mothers. Who knows more about juggling many, many roles at the same time than mothers? And it just happened that I was putting this episode together in the same month as Mother's Day. So this episode is actually going to be a two-part episode. There will be the rest of this episode, and then in a couple weeks, there will be a second part. Because time is a big obstacle for most of us. So the more information we can get, the more advice, the more strategies we can find, the better. And it also gives us the opportunity to talk to more amazing women. So who I wanted to talk to next was actually I wanted to talk to Roxanne. Because to me, Roxanne is a perfect embodiment of what we're talking about here. Because she has so many different things on her plate. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> well, definitely like day-to-day -day household stuff. Like I'm basically the CEO of my house, so bills, laundry, grocery shopping, dishes, like all the boring stuff that nobody really wants to probably hear about. But that stuff is a full-time job all on its own. So I um, 
I do that and of course childcare just making sure you know my kids have everything they need, they need for school in the morning and that they're you know have their outfits and their lunch packs and you know I do have a three-year oh she's four now actually my four-year-old is with me three days out of the week so there's also that I'm basically my own nanny three days out of the week so I've got that going and then you know trying to squeeze in art stuff and other things with that so it's kind of my life this whole episode started from an instagram post that you did not too long ago a couple months i think by now about time do you remember that post at all i do i remember i was um i had just gotten back from a really cool networking meeting it was around um creatives in my county and it was a new organization i'd never heard of and i went to the meeting and it was really cool and I learned a lot about you know funding art projects and things like that and was all excited about it and it just kind of got me thinking like all right well I want to do this too but if I want to do this I have to make time for it somehow and I already am strapped for it so it's like I have to like orchestrate this or engineer it it's not gonna you know just happen and I remember thinking about that like well what do I have to do what do I have to give up or what do I have to like add on to my plate to make this possible I think the reality is, is that um, you have to neglect something, truthfully. And I think you have to prioritize what you're willing to neglect and for how long, and then come back to it when it's at a state where it can't be neglected any further. Um, I think a lot of people think that um, the type of people who are juggling lots of stuff somehow find ways to, like, manufacture more time but I think a lot of times it's just that they're they're just constantly reprioritizing and it's kind of like being an air traffic controller so there's little fires going on all around you but you ignore them because you know that you have time to like let it keep burning and it's not a disaster yet so then you like just let it go until you can't handle it anymore I think that's kind of what squeezing time is into your day is about when you're like at least as a mother you know um, <clears throat> I can't speak for, for other people who are not but that's kind of how I see it and how do you how do you manage the stress level of that how do you not let that deter you from doing the things that you want to do that's a great question um I don't think I do I mean honestly it does stress me out I just think that I have to like kind of put it in the back of my mind because it is stressful if you like apply like you know standards social standards of like what your house should look like or you know how tidy things should be or how organized everything needs to be that would prevent you from even bothering so I think that um and it is stressful if you stop and think about it so I think you almost have to ignore you know all that and it it comes to a head and then you either have to take a break and try not to do everything and kind of get a little bit of a reprieve from it all or um you know just get help you know ask people to help you with stuff or it's just like a juggling act really um and I think just taking care of yourself you know if you're not doing the basic things like getting enough sleep or eating healthy or getting a walk-in or exercise I think it can get kind of, um, you know, your mental health can take a toll. So it's definitely something that 
you know, it is stressful. There's just no way around it. It is. But I'm not willing to to let it go and not do the things that I care about or that, um, you know, fuel me. So I do it anyways, and I'm willing to deal with the ramifications of it, if that makes sense. Now, there's another Instagram post that Roxanne put up that I want to read to you right now because I think it's something that's really important to hear. You see, Roxanne is a painter, and she's talking about these paintings that she had been making of skeletons smoking cigarettes. And she says, sometimes these paintings are funny to me. Their vibe is completely opposite to the stereotypical one that I would conjure up when thinking about a stay-at-home mom who spends most of her day folding laundry, changing poop diapers, wiping messes, and cooking meals. Everybody has a badass inside them though, right? Just because you are in the trenches of responsibility and accountability, out of love, duty, and other higher things, doesn't mean you have to let that part of you die. We find the time because we're keeping something inside of us alive. We make the time because we don't want something to go away. We push things away and we make time to create because there is a version of who we are that we do not want to forget. You can follow RZ Blackwood on Instagram for more insights from Roxanne into her creative life and these extraordinary images that she puts up of her paintings. You can find out more about Debbie Dodds at debbiedodds.com or you can just pick up a copy of her book, Amish Guys Don't Call. And if you want to hear more from Lamb, you can follow him on Instagram as The Vacant Room, or you can check out Technical Ramblings, the new podcast from Lamb and I. It's a weekly half-hour show where we talk about a new app that we're trying out. So tune in for the next episode to hear more on this idea of time, because I feel like we've only begun to scratch the surface. Hi, this is Peter from the Life Creative Podcast, and I just wanted to add in here and say thank you so much for this episode. And I've only just come across this podcast, and I find it thoroughly captivating. And I, I think it's a difficult area to say, you know, deciding when something creative is done. And, and I agree with a lot of the sentiments in this episode. And I think for me personally, done is, is that gut feeling of knowing I've done everything I should for this and, and shipping it. Oh!